Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's great to see all of you here today as we worship our uh, great God together. My name is Anwar Sawaya. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it's my privilege to bring God's word to you this morning. The year 2003 was a rough year for me. It was a year that I faced perhaps the greatest crisis of my life. For years prior, prior to that, I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, which is known as PTSD, that went undiagnosed and untreated. So in that year, I had a total breakdown that caused me to be pretty much mentally and emotionally paralyzed for, over, for almost two months. I was severely depressed and full of anxiety and fear. I could hardly eat and sleep, and I lost over 15 kilos in a matter of few weeks. But it was the readings from the book of Psalms by my wife, Julene, that gave me relief and encouragement during the darkest nights that I had faced. And that is why the book of Psalms holds a special place in my heart. And I'm happy to say that ultimately, our great God delivered me from the pit of despair. Praise the Lord. So today we're going to start a new eight-week series from the book of Psalms. More specifically, we will look at a group of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent, or, or Songs of Ascents. Most theologians believe that these songs were used by Jewish pilgrims from all over the Middle East as they made their way to Jerusalem for the three annual festivals, the Passover, Pentecost, and the Day of Atonement. Going up is often used in the Bible to refer to going up to Jerusalem, since Jerusalem was a city set on a hill relative to the surrounding terrains. So people heading to Jerusalem would have to walk uphill to reach the city where the temple of God is. The content and the themes of the songs of the saints reminded the pilgrims of the great promises of God, focused the pilgrims' minds on the purpose of their journey, and prepared their hearts to worship God once they reached Jerusalem. Well, there are 15 Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 through 134. And out of the 15, four were written by King David. Those were Psalm 122, 124, 131, 133. David's son Solomon wrote Psalm 127. And the author of the others is not mentioned in the Bible. And it could be several authors. 
Well, in this series, we will not cover all 15 psalms, but we will look on eight of them in the next eight Sundays. And those eight will be Psalm 121, 122, 123, 125, 127, 128, 130, and 133. So our journey through the Psalms of Ascent starts by considering Psalm 121. But before we turn there, let's pray one more time for God to be with us during this sermon. Father God, we just want to ask you, Lord, to be with us today, Lord. Continue to be with us. Continue to work in our hearts. We pray for, for the preaching of your word, Lord. I pray that you would give me the grace to preach your word clearly and accurately. And I pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word, Lord, so that we might be refreshed with it, Lord, so that we might be willing to apply that word into our everyday life. We ask those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read together Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forevermore. As you may have noticed, there are three key words from the text that are worth mentioning again from the beginning as they will give us an indication of what the main theme of this psalm is. And the first, the first one is the word help. The word help found in, verse, in verses 1 and 2. The second word is the word shelter or shade that we read in verse 5. And the third one is the Hebrew word shamar that is repeated six times, which can be translated as protector, keeper, or guardian. We found that word in verses 3, 4, 5, twice in verse 7, and then in verse 8. Well, those three words point us to the main theme of this psalm, which is this. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is our helper, shelter, protector, or keeper. Let me say that again. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is our helper, shelter, protector, or keeper. Now, most theologians believe that Psalm 121 would have been sung by the pilgrims on their last leg of the journey as the hills of Jerusalem begin to appear before them. 
and they would need to make the last push upwards to reach Jerusalem. Well, by that time, perhaps they would have, they would have been discouraged, exhausted, anxious, and maybe fearful. So this song would have served as a reminder to those pilgrims that their God, that, 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 their, that the God, that God is their helper and keeper or protector on this long journey towards the Jerusalem. And thus would have encouraged them to press on to reach their destination, the temple in Jerusalem, God's very dwelling place. Church, even though we no longer have to take this journey or the pilgrim, pilgrimage to Jerusalem, this psalm continues to have a great relevance to us today. See, the Lord did not promise that we, as, as His people, uh, th that He would remove or spare us from, from facing danger or encountering trials and tribulations as we travel through our journey of life. But throughout scriptures, God promised to be our ultimate helper, our shamar, protector or keeper, and our shelter in that journey. He will be right there, present with us. And Psalm 121 serves as a reminder of this fact. So my hope this morning is as we consider this soul, this psalm, that our souls will be refreshed and our hearts encouraged and our faith would grow even in the midst of facing the uphills battle of life. Psalm 121 is divided neatly into four parts or standards with two verses each. In part one, those, those are verses one and two, we are reminded that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is our helper. In part two, verses three and four, the psalmist assures us that the Lord, who never sleeps, will keep us from slipping and stumbling. In part three, verses five and six, the psalm speaks to us about God being our shelter day and night. And finally, in part four, verses seven and eight, the Lord assures us that he will protect us from all evil, both now and forevermore. So let's now take a look at each part in more details, in, in more detail, starting with part one, which are verses one and two. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift up my eyes toward the mountains. We are not strangers to mountains here in Lebanon, are we? They are majestic. You look around, you look out, right outside, you look up, and you look at those beautiful mountains. They are majestic. 
but also they are very challenging to climb since they are physically exhausting and the terrain and climate are often dangerous. That is why sometimes mountains are used as symbols of hardship and struggle. So when you and I gaze upon the mountains of life, the daily challenges, the trials, the tribulations that we face, the economic uncertainty, the serious illnesses, the loss of a loved one, the unjust treatment from others, the persecution because of our faith and the like, we would often ask ourselves the same question as the psalmist as he looked up towards the hill of Jerusalem. Where will my help come from? Where will my help come from? In other words, what we're asking is, who can I ultimately trust and depend upon in the journey of life? Who is capable and willing to help me in that journey? Who do I turn to in times of trials and tribulations that we are promised that they surely will come? Who is, who is that who will deliver us from danger and evil? There are two possibles, possible answers to this question. Only two possible answers to this question. The first answer is the, the triune God. The triune God. And the other one is everything else. Comf counterfeit gods or idols. That's it. It's either the help will come from the, 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 the awesome God, the triune God, the real God, or it's going to come from the counterfeit gods or the idols that are in our lives. So I hope your answer is the same as the, as the psalmist in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Listen carefully, church. He who spoke the whole universe into existence, existence in six days, he who is almighty, who is all-powerful, who is omnipresent, omnipotent, sovereign, the ruler of all creation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has promised to be our helper and keeper individually and corporately as believers. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that sink in for a moment. Let me ask you a question. What kind of problem that you might face, that you might be facing today, that you think that this creator God cannot handle, this sovereign God cannot handle? And I hope the answer is none. He is capable. He is the almighty, the all-powerful God. In addition, this covenant-making and covenant-keeping Lord 
is not only a capable God, but he is also a willing God. He promised to be always near to us and to hear our prayers and pleas for help. Listen to what Psalm 86, verse six is, verses 6 and 7 say. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cries of mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress. For what? You will answer me. This is the promise of God that you, He will answer us. Let's now consider part two of this psalm. And these are verses three and four. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. In verse three, we are told that the Lord will keep those who are embarking on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem from slipping. He will give them, in a sense, a steady foot as they walk through an uneven terrain. Well, brothers and sisters, in the same way, our God will protect us from slipping and falling from His grace. Our God is not a sleeper or a slumberer, but He is a keeper or a protector. There is not even a moment in time that we are out of his gaze. And nor is one, nor is there is a one second, not one second, that he does not have a tight grip on each one of us. The Lord does not sleep and he does not slumber. Romans 8, verses 35 through 39 assures us that God would not, would not allow anything or anyone from separating us from Christ. Or, in other words, from falling from grace. Listen to what those verses say. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As one theologian puts it, if you are saved, you are always saved. If you have salvation, you will never lose it. But if you lose it, you never had it in the first place. It is impossible for us to lose our salvation because the Lord 
who does not sleep or slumber has a tight grip on us. Brothers and sisters, even when we stumble and sin against the Lord, He promised that His grace is sufficient to give, to forgive, and restore us if we are truly His. I can think of many examples in scriptures and as my and, and my experience as a pastor of people who tripped and fell, yet they were not totally lost. They were restored and preserved by God. The one that, uh, that perhaps would be most familiar with us is the apostle Peter, who during the darkest hour of our Lord Jesus denied our Lord three times. Yet the Lord restored and preserved him. And not only that, but the Lord used him later to accomplish great things for the kingdom. And ultimately, the apostle, the apostle Peter ended up sacrificing his own life for the sake of the gospel. Jesus had a tight grip on the arm of the apostle Peter. Part three, which is verses five and six, six says, the Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter by your side. The sun will stri not strike you by day or the moon by night. In verse five, notice that the Lord did not promise that he will provide something to be the pilgrim's shelter during the travel, but he promised that he will be their shelter right there by their side. He, the Almighty, he will be their shelter. The Lord Almighty will be their shelter during the heat of the, the day when the sun is blazing and during the night when danger lurks at every corner. He promised to refresh and protect them by day and by night. That same promise, brothers and sisters, is for us today. The Lord will be our shelter during the heat of trials and tribulations of our lives during the dark times that we might experience in life. He promised that He will refresh our souls and provide peace that transcends all understandings, understanding even in the darkest moments of our lives. His presence, He promised, will be constant with us day and night amid our struggles. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that? Are you trusting Him? Are you setting your eyes upon Him so He can be your shelter and refresher of your soul?
And finally, part, part four of this psalm, verses seven and eight, tell us, the Lord will protect you from all harm, or a better translation for that word harm is from all evil. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. I call this part the all-encompassing promise of the Lord. He, pro he promised to protect us from all evil. All means all. And in all our comings and goings, now and forevermore. So let's look now at the first promise in verse 7, that He will protect us from all harm or evil. Now, if you're like me, one question immediately comes to mind. How do we reconcile this verse with the fact that us, as the people of God, we do experience evil in this world? We experience sickness, death. We experience persecution, loss of loved ones, loss of jobs and income. We get into car accidents, and we face all kinds of other evil. How can the psalmist say that the Lord will protect us from all evil? Well, the way that I understand this promise of God is this. Whatever evil we might experience in this world as His covenant people will not result in our ultimate destruction or demise, but is quite the opposite. The Lord will sovereignly use it to draw us closer to Him and to bring glory to Himself. The enemy, brothers and sisters, cannot and will not attack us unless the Lord allows him to do so. We have a great example of that in the book of Job, don't we? The, dev the devil had to get God's permission to inflict harm on Job. And what was the ultimate result of jo Job's affliction? Well, the result, as we read towards the end of uh, the book of Job, is a deeper relationship with God for Job and glory and honor to our great God. So the harm, the evil that was inflicted upon him resulted in a greater, a deeper relationship with the Lord and it brought honor and, and glory to our great God. Romans 8.28 tells us that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. All things, all good things, all bad things, all ugly things, all evil things work together, sovereignly work together 
<laughs> for the good of those who love God and called according to His purposes. Isn't that great? We know that when we're inflicted, that God has a greater purpose than our suffering. <laughs> that God is, is going to use whatever we're going through for our good and His glory. Doesn't that give you hope, brothers and sisters? I hope it does. It gives me hope. Otherwise, I cannot face anything in this world. In January 2006, the great theologian John Piper was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Well, thankfully, the cancer had not spread to other parts of his body. So by God's grace, he had surgery and treatment, and he fully recovered from it. It still was a painful experience for him. But John Piper said that, and I paraphrase, that because of his experience with cancer, he grew deeper in his relationship with, with the Lord. He drew closer to God and experienced a greater reliance on him in his life. But he also wrote a book called Do Not Waste Your Cancer that benefited tens of thousands of believers who were inflicted by cancer through the journey dealing with the awful disease. And it brought ultimate glory and honor to God. John Piper's cancer brought him closer to the road to, to the Lord and also brought honor and glory to our great God. Finally, in verse 8, last verse of this psalm, we are rem reminded of two facts regarding God's protect protection. The first one is that the Lord will be our protector in our coming and goings. Or in other words, everywhere we are, everywhere we go. God is our protector right now here in the, in, in the sanctuary. God will be our protector when we drive from here and go to our homes. God will be our protector when we travel abroad. That God, there is nowhere that God cannot be found. He is everywhere. And He promised that He will be, brothers and sisters, our protector. The great apostle Paul went went into the most hostile environments during his missionary journeys. And he was emboldened by the fact that wherever he went, regardless of the danger that he faced, the Lord was with him to keep him and protect him and use him to proclaim the gospel for the glory of God. He had assurance of God's protection in the most God-forsaken places that he traveled to. So take heart, brothers and sisters. The Lord promised to protect us wherever we are, regardless of the dangers that, that lurks around. And there is not even a moment in time that we are out of his gaze. And the second, fast, uh, the second fact that we read is fairly simple. The Lord will preserve us both now 
and throughout eternity. I really have nothing else to add to that. What a glorious thing. <laughs> he will preserve us now, and He will preserve us for eternity. We will be as we go to be with the Lord in His presence forever and ever. And nothing, and nothing can snatch us out of His hands. The Lord will be our portion forever. Let me conclude by saying this. The only way, and, and please pay attention to this, the only way the Lord could be your helper and, your, and protector is if you have repented from your sin and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. The Bible tells us that God created Adam and Eve and He placed them in the Garden of Eden and, and, and had a perfect relationship. And they had a perfect relationship with the Lord. But Adam and Eve had better ideas. They thought so. They rebelled against God. And they disobeyed His command and fell into sin. And therefore they were exiled from the Garden as a symbol of their separation from God. And as a result, all humanity inherited in, in, in a, a sinful nature and are, were and are separated from God. But God in His mercy wanted to reconcile us to Himself. He did not want hum humanity to stay lost so he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, to this world to save us from our sins and to reconcile us to God. He lived, Jesus lived a perfect life, was crucified on our behalf, buried, and on the third day he rose again in victory so that all who turn away from sin and trust Him as Lord and Savior, would be reconciled with God. They, we would have peace with God again. We lost that peace with God because of Adam and sin, because of Adam and Eve, because of sin. But God is a loving God. He wants to he wants to reconcile us to Himself. He wants to be our friend. He wants to make peace with us. And the only way to have peace is through Jesus Christ. Not through our good works. Not through anything else. Not through our own efforts. Nothing can bring us closer to God except the Lord Jesus Christ. So dear friend, if you are here today, but you have not trusted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to urge you to consider Jesus. You have an invitation from the Lord to be reconciled to God and for Him to become your helper and protector now and forevermore. And for you, dear Christian, I'd like to leave you with these, with those encouraging words from the book of Jude. 
This is Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you, Lord. Father, we are so thankful that you did not leave us as orphans, Lord, that you are our helper. We thank you that as we navigate this journey of life, Lord, that you promised to be there with us. You promised to be our shelter, Lord. You promised to be our protector and keeper. You promised, Lord, that you will not allow us to slip from the grasp of your hand. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that, that, as, we, as, that as we go forth today, that we will be reminded of the fact, that fact, that, the, that Psalm 121 will be like a glass of cold water in a summer day. It will be a refreshing to our souls. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.